pastors here, we are grateful that you'd come and join together with us. We don't take it for granted that you're here, especially in the midst of all of the different virus and stuff going on around us. So thanks for coming here. Thanks for being together with us. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're continuing in our series. We are preaching, in case you are new here, it's your first time, we're preaching through the letter, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. So turn your Bibles to the letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be reading chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And we believe that not only did God speak in that day to his church and to his people, but God intends for us to receive his word as a word for us today as well. So turn your Bibles and let's hear God's word together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you're pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a curse, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to all or to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray for God's help. Father, we need your help to understand your word. We need your help to apply your word to our lives. Would you do that this morning? Would you empower us to hear? Would you make our hearts and minds alive to you? And would you give me the gift of your spirit to be able to preach your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, actually, I was just uh, reminded before we begin, if you are 9 to 11-year-old, we have a class for you. It's at the back of the, that little, the lobby there. There's a pallet classroom right to the left there. If you are 9 to 11, you haven't gone back, um, you can go back there now if your parents give you permission, that is. So anyway, head back there. Thanks very much. Um, this morning, I am wearing a knife. I don't normally do that on Sunday mornings. I don't want to look like I'm hostile, right? I don't look like I'm carrying a weapon. Um, but I typically, during the week, I carry a knife, typically right here, not, uh, not because you know, I think I need to protect myself, but because it's handy, right? A knife can be used for all kinds of things, and, and I find all kinds of practical purposes for a knife. And I remember when I first got a knife when I was young, um, I thought it was the greatest gift ever. To a young southern boy, a knife was like the holy grail. It, it was awesome. I, you know, when, when you got the gift of a knife, you knew you had arrived, that you were trusted. And I thought it was the greatest gift. But the problem is, is that I used a knife for everything. I tried to use a knife um, as a pry bar. I tried to use a knife as a screwdriver. I would, I would turn the knife around and try to use it as a hammer. But a, a knife really it has some specific purposes. It's, it's got a lot of purposes, but it's not meant to be used for all those things. But I forgot there were other tools, other things I could be given than just a knife. If you need a screwdriver or a hammer, a knife is not the best tool. And later I learned that if you want to go places 
And if you want to get around town or go to the library or go to McDonald's, a bike was a really handy gift too. Um, when I was younger, I thought that a knife was great. And, and I would have had that conversation really vigorously about how great the gift a knife was. And the church in Corinth, they, they all had different gifts. And they all were saying that their gifts were the greatest. They thought that their gifts, that those uh, extra natural or supernatural or seemingly spectacular gifts were the best gifts that there were. And so they thought that they were more spiritual. They were better off because they had those certain gifts. And so there was apparently some debate in the church. There was some misusing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church so that some thought they were superior to other people because of the gifts that they had been given. They thought that these specific gifts were greater. And Paul, he's trying to set them straight. He's probably answering a letter they sent to him. Whenever you see this, now concerning, that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's answering their questions. So he says, now concerning spiritual. Now you might, might wonder, why did I say spiritual? Because doesn't it say in the ESV, it says spiritual gifts. Well, the reality is, in, in the original language, he uses a very different word there that he doesn't use in the rest of the passage. And, and actually, in, in the rest of the times Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he uses a very different word. But here, he uses a word that, that, that references spiritual ones or spiritual things. That's why the translators have put spiritual gifts, because it, it, it seems he's referring to that. But it seems that he's answering the question of, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to, to possess spiritual gifts? What does it mean to really be truly spiritual people? And so he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Because apparently they thought to be truly spiritual meant to, to highlight those things that were seemingly more spectacular, like the gift of tongues or other gifts that he mentions later on, which we're not going to de detail currently. But he doesn't want them to be uninformed. Not because the gifts don't exist in the church, but because they're highlighting different gifts as more important. And they're thinking that those gifts somehow make them more important or somehow those gifts make it so that they are the point. And he's trying to get them to see that, no, I want you not to be uninformed. And there's all kinds of reasons you can be uninformed. We can be uninformed for a whole bunch of different reasons. We can be uninformed because of bad experiences. You ever had a bad experience? Anybody here ever had a bad experience of the different gifts of the Spirit? Nobody? Come on. Um, we've seen bad experiences of different gifts of the church. People have misused the different gifts and talents they've been given, or they've used those gifts and talents to draw attention to themselves. And so he said, I want you to be uninformed. He also doesn't want them to be uninformed, maybe because they had some fears of different gifts. We can be uninformed because we can fear the different gifts of the Spirit, and so we can not look into things and say, I don't want anything to do with that because it's weird, it's strange, it's awkward. We can be uninformed because it's a challenging topic. It's, it's fraught with difficulties and challenges. People disagree. Loving Christians, well-meaning Christians can disagree over these topics. So we'd rather avoid those topics. And so we can be uninformed at times. No matter the reason we're uninformed, the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit don't want us to be uninformed. He says, I want you to, don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand the spiritual gifts from a right perspective. And then he starts with something that's a little surprising. He says, in answer to their question about now what's really spiritual or who are the spiritual ones, he says something to them, and he, the first thing he draws attention to the fact is that the gifts of the Spirit, they're provided, they're given to them. They're meant to see that they're not the important ones, and it's not because they earn these gifts. The gifts are provided. And so he's trying to tell them that the, what it means to be truly spiritual is to realize that the gifts are provided by the Spirit doesn't start with us. 
And also we can see that the greatest gift isn't a knife, isn't a specific spiritual gift. Because in verse 2 and 3, he tells them, he says, I want you to remember something. Not only the gifts are provided, but your gifts are provided primarily for you to see Jesus. And he reminds them, he says, before you were pagans, before you didn't know God, before you were Gentiles or pagans, you were not following God, before you were like that, and yet the gift, the first gift that you received, this gift from the Spirit, is the gift to know Jesus. Look down your Bible, he says, I want you to understand, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And then he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What he's trying to get them to see is that they're their understanding of the fact that Jesus is their Lord, that Jesus is his master, that first comes by the Holy Spirit. That's the first gift of the Holy Spirit that's provided to them. He's not giving a litmus test that if anybody can just say a mantra that Jesus is Lord, that means they're a Christian. No, what he's saying is you can only say that, you can only make that confession, you can only put your trust in Jesus as Lord if that's been given to you by the Spirit. That's what it means to be true, truly spiritual is to be given the gift of seeing that Jesus is truly your Lord and Master. The basic confession of every Christian that Jesus is Lord. Because there was no way you could have made that confession before. You would have said Jesus is a curse. But, but now there's no way you could say that because now, by the Spirit, you see that Jesus is Lord. And what he's saying here is it's not just people with more obvious gifts that are spiritual. The first kind of spiritual person, the, the kind of spiritual person you see is all those who have been given the Spirit to see that Jesus is their Lord. All the members of the body we're going to see in just a moment are, are spiritual. They all have their own gifts. They, are, they all have roles to play in the church. But the greatest gift, the greatest, most recognizable sign of the Spirit is the fact that we can confess that Jesus is Lord. By the Spirit. You see, the Spirit must reveal that. The Spirit enables us to change our hearts. The Spirit changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He enables us to see that, that Jesus is the one that we need to serve. Instead of, stop, instead of serving ourselves, serving our own ways, instead of following after mute idols. Now, what does he mean by that? He means that idols are things that we think will fulfill us. They're mute but you know what? There's no way for us to turn away from those mute idols, those lifeless things that we think will give us worth or give us value. But that's what we used to follow before. We were being led astray before when, when we didn't know God, when we were pagans, when we didn't follow Jesus as Lord, we thought maybe that different idols like money or fame or position or friends or relatives or family, we thought that those things could fulfill us, bring us worth, bring us value. He says you were being led astray to, to idols that really couldn't speak into your life. They couldn't give you life. And the only way that you now have life is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. The purposeful enabling of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who enables us to change our heart, to change our ways, to, to change our profession, to put our trust in him. And then after he does that, he gives a whole variety of gifts. He doesn't just give one kind of gift. He doesn't just give us a knife. He doesn't just give a hammer. He doesn't just give a saw. He doesn't just give a shovel. He gives a variety of gifts. Look down at verse 4. He says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit who makes us alive. He also gives a multitude, a variety of gifts to the church. 
It's not just those who are spiritual who have certain gifts. He says all who are spiritual have been gifted by the Spirit. All who have been made alive by the Spirit have gifts of the Spirit. And he says there's a whole variety of it. God's not boring. God doesn't just give us one kind of tool. You know, the second kind of, of gift that's a great gift to, a, 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 at least when I was growing up, I, I remember when I graduated, I got what I thought was an incredible gift. I got a, a tool set. And I got to use this tool set on a whole variety of things. It meant that now I kind of arrived and I had a whole bunch of different things that I could do. Now, later on, I realized that I didn't have all the tools I needed yet. And, and, and I agree with whoever said that. I, I'll have to talk to them later. Thank you, Dan. You never have enough tools. Having the right tool for the job makes all the difference, though, doesn't it? But you know what? Not all of us have received all of the different gifts. He says there's a variety of gifts. There's varieties. And, and, and every different person has been given different varieties based on what the Holy Spirit thinks you need. Peter emphasized something similar. He wrote in in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each has received a gift, each, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, if you are able to make a profession of faith and say that Jesus really is your Lord, then then you can be confident that, that you have received a gift of the Spirit. Even if you have the same kind of gift as somebody else, it's not exactly the same. It varies based on the grace of God. And in fact, the word he now uses when he talks about gifts, when he, he shifts, is he talks about grace gifts. And that's the word that Paul uses most often. He uses it actually 16 times in his writings. He says grace gifts. Those who are spiritual, those who've received the Spirit, who confess Jesus as Lord, and they receive a whole bunch of gifts, and they're all based on grace. That's how they are apportioned or given. When I was growing up, I was taught about the idea of meritocracy, Meritocracy is this concept that, that you earn or you, you're given something based on what you earn. And, and that's true in, in large part in the world. Those who work hard, um, they earn success. Those who get on a sports team, they earn that spot. You know, when I first started, when I was a kid in high school, I played soccer. I, I wasn't immediately able to start in every game. And then I... I didn't like that, so I worked hard, and I earned the right to start on the team. You earn a spot. You earn the right to compete. You can earn a promotion. You can earn a raise. You can earn all kinds of things in life. And and the problem is, though, you can come to Christianity thinking that it's all about earning, and it's not. You can come to religion and think that it's all about what we earn or what we do, and it's actually the reverse of that, and that's what Paul's saying here, is that you are given by the Holy Spirit the ability to profess Jesus as Lord, and you're also given gifts, but here's the thing, they're given. They're not earned. They're given. They're not earned. You know why? Because it wouldn't be a gift. It'd be payment. And so Paul says, no, Gifts that are not a reward for anything we've done. They are free gifts of God's grace. They are evidences or signs or gifts of God's favor, not because of your earning, but because Jesus has already earned all the favor that you need. Gifts are not a reward for anything we've done. The church in Corinth had a lot of different spiritual gifts. Here's the thing. They were probably only about three years old. 
The church was a very young church. It was a relatively immature church, and yet they had all kinds of gifts in the church. And, and so there's no correlation here between a mature church and the amount of gifts that they have. No, the gifts are given to the church, and they're not based on the maturity of those in the church. And that's really evident because there's a lot of immature people in the church in Corinth. There's a lot of hope for us, right? Because gifts are not given because we're mature. Because we earn it, gifts are given of God's grace. So we can ask God, by the way, and we're going to find out about that in later chapters. We can ask God for the gifts because we can be confident that he wants to give good gifts. Now, we don't know when everybody's given different gifts to the Spirit. We know that, that people are indwelt with the Holy Spirit at conversion when they, when they profess their faith, when they place their faith in Jesus, they're given the Spirit. We know that at that time, sometimes people are given different gifts, but we know that can happen later too. We looked at uh, Timothy um, in the letter to 1 Timothy when he was laid hands on, they anointed him to appoint him as an elder, and then he was given gifts then. So gifts aren't just once and done. Gifts are given, and they can be given again and later on. In just a few chapters from this, Paul's going to commend and encourage the church, actually command the church to eagerly desire different gifts. Here's the thing, though. Because there are gifts, though, we're never meant to compare our gifts that would be an insult to the giver, wouldn't it be? Imagine on Christmas morning, we just had Christmas a few weeks ago. Imagine Christmas morning, you all get different gifts. And then you open the gifts and you're like, why didn't I get that gift? That'd be an insult. The gifts are, are, aren't given for us to compare to each other. They're, they're given freely as grace gifts for us to receive and enjoy. We're never meant to compare them. And that's what apparently the, the church in Corinth was doing. They were comparing them. They didn't see that, no, you don't have gifts because you merit them, because you're better than each other. You have gifts because you've been given them by God's gracious giving. And he tells us that who they come from. They're given, and he tells all kinds of gifts. He says there are a variety of gifts and varieties of service. There's a variety of activities. There's all kinds of workings. There's a giving of gifts. There's giving of service. A giving of all kinds of different activity or work. But he says it's God is the one who empowers all the spiritual gifts. You don't empower the spiritual gifts. You don't make the spiritual gifts possible. He says God is the one who empowers all the spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are the power of God actively at work in your life. And who doesn't want the power of God at work in their lives? Any, anybody here want the power of God at work in your life? Well, God says that his gifts are his power at work in our lives. His ability to overcome sin. I mean, his ability for us to overcome sin. His ability for us to, to do things we wouldn't otherwise be able to. And, and notice Paul's drawing attention to the fact that whatever gift or service activity that we're enabled with, we all have been given the same spirit. God's not more impressed with one person. That's why they have a certain gift than he is with another person. That's why they have a gift that we don't think is as spectacular. So it's not the fact that, like the church in Corinth, they thought maybe these seemingly spectacular gifts were better, and so those people must be more spiritual or more loved by God or more empowered by the Spirit. And he says, no, that's ridiculous. There's all kinds of gifts, including later on to talk about the gift of helps or administration or things that we, don't, we seem mundane to us. But he says, no, you've all received gifts. You've all received it from the same Spirit, equally endowed by the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you have an equal amount of gifting. But he doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to know the gifts are provided. They're expressions of God's grace. They 
are not something we empower ourselves with. And we aren't meant to practice them for ourselves either. We're to be informed. It really means to, to know that the gifts of the Spirit are to be purposefully practiced. The, the gifts of the Spirit are, are not just provided by God, they're to be purposefully practiced as well. We're meant to pursue the spiritual gifts and to practice the spiritual gifts for a purpose, for a reason. And he tells us here, and, and look down your Bibles in verse 7, he says, for the common good. That's what spiritual gifts are for. They're not just for you to make you feel better about yourself, to make you feel strong, to make you feel powerful. No, he says, they're for the common good, not to increase your personal status, because that's what the church in Corinth was doing. They were, they were trying to increase their status by showing off their different gifts. And he says, no, that's, that's the exact reverse of what the gifts are for. The gifts are for the common good. In the scripture we read a few minutes ago, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Don't serve yourself the gifts, but for the common good, to serve one another. And he says, as good stewards of God's varied grace. So these grace gifts are to be stewarded. They're to be used to serve. They're to be used to, for the good of others. And you think of a, a steward. A steward is somebody who, who is given something so they might use it for the purpose that the person who gave it to them intends. That's what the gifts are given to us for that we might steward these gifts for the common good, to encourage one another, to build each other up. The responsibility we're given the steward for the sake of others, they aren't just given for us to enjoy. Now, it can't be enjoyable to use those gifts, but they're given to in, be used in the purpose of building each other up for the common good. In, in Romans 12, 6, Paul, he, he commands the church, he says, as each has been given a gift, having gifts that differ according to the grace given, he says, let us use them. If you've been given a different spiritual gift, then, then Scripture's clear, but you already use them, whatever that gift might be. So my question for us is, are you using the gifts that you've been given? And you might be thinking, I don't, I don't know what gifts I've been given. I have no idea. Talk to a friend. Talk to somebody else here. Talk to a mature believer. Maybe they'll, they'll help you. Or, or maybe you're aware of the gifts you had, and then you just left them latent, kind of you left them dormant. We're to use these gifts. We're to use them for the common good. Sometimes we can hide our gifts, though, instead of stewarding them. Are you seeking to steward? Are you seeking to cultivate? Are you seeking to use those gifts for the common good? That wouldn't be uncommon, even those who are mature. Um, Timothy was a pastor in the church in Ephesus, and he was tempted to be timid and to hold back. And, and the encouragement is, no, use your gifts for the common good, because it's all about the giver of the gifts. It's not about you anyway. It's not self-promotion. It's about promoting the one who gave you the gift. You know, when I talk about a, a good Christmas gift that I've been given, I'm normally talking about the person who gave it to me. And, and the more I talk about it, the more I get excited about it, the more it points to the fact that the person who gave it to me must have really cared for me. That's what we're to do with the spiritual gifts. We're to use them for the good of others and we're to encourage other people. But it's actually to draw attention to Christ. Timothy, he was, he was very timid, and Paul encouraged him. In 2 Timothy 1, he says, he, he tells him what he wants him to do, and he says, I, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but a power and love and self-control. Sometimes we, in order to use the gifts for the common good, we have to fan them into flame. 
That implies we can't let them lie dormant. We can't just let them dwindle down so they're not shining brightly in our lives. If there's an area where God has gifted you, we're meant to cultivate that. We're meant to use it. We're, we're meant to add fuel to the fire. You know, um, when it's cold outside like it has been the last couple days, um, one of my favorite things about the cold is not the cold, it's starting a fire. I don't like cold, I like heat a lot. I have an aversion to cold. I like starting a big, roaring, crackling fire. It provides a lot of warmth and light. But you know what happens if you leave the fire untended? It burns out. It doesn't provide much light or heat. It's not as beneficial to whoever was meant to enjoy it. A dim fire is not just not enjoyable. It's not beneficial. It doesn't do much good. Sometimes we're camping and we, we let the fire go out at, at night and that's a good thing because we don't want to start forest fires. So we let the fire go out at night. And then, but in the morning, sometimes we have a little game of who can find a warm coal underneath of all the other coals that are there. And so we expose it all, we find a warm coal, and then we see who can start a fire from the coals. And, and that's the idea that when Paul's talking to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gifts. Sometimes the gifts might remain dormant in your life, but they're to be used and be used for the good of others, and sometimes we have to fan those into flame. Bring our gifts back out into the fresh, oxygenated air and, and use the gifts to serve. Take a step of faith, trust in God. Don't think of yourself, but think of, okay, how, why has God given me this gift? If he's given me the gift to serve, then I should be using it to serve. But he says not everybody's going to give the same kind of gift. And sometimes we compare our gifts with other people, and that's when we get into trouble, because we can either be discontent with our gifts or be proud about our gifts. I think there are people in the church in, in Corinth who were both, right? They were either discontent with their gifts because they didn't have the ones that were seemingly more spiritual or they were proud about their gifts because they thought that theirs were more spiritual. And so and to, to those people, to us, look down at verse eight. He says, to one is given to the Spirit. He talks about a whole different bunch of different kinds of gifts. His point here is not to explain what each of these different kinds of gifts are. We don't know exactly what each of these gifts are, by the way. But we know that they're all from the Spirit, and we know that they're all given different kinds of gifts by the Spirit. He says, through the Spirit. Now, at the end of verse 8, according to the Spirit. And he gives at least nine examples or samples of the gifts of the Spirit. But you know what? That's not exhaustive. Throughout the New Testament, there is at least 21 different gifts that are highlighted in the New Testament. Different gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm not even sure that's exhaustive. But the point is not that, that everybody receives all the gifts, but to each are given different kinds of gifts. Some are, are seemingly, if you look down that list of nine, some are seemingly more natural, knowledge, wisdom. Some of them are seemingly more spectacular, like healing or tongues or prophecy. But he, he's not drawing distinctions between those. He's not saying these are better than these. He's lumping them all together. What he's trying to see is that that everybody's given all kinds of different gifts and one's not better than the other. There is a unity of the Spirit in the diversity of gifts. And they're all given for the common good. The point is to point us to Christ. That's the first gift that we saw in the passage. To enable us to be built up in Christ, to grow in Christ, to know Christ. The Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit don't want us to be uninformed To be informed means to know that the gifts are provided, they're personally practiced, and that they point to a person. Look at this passage. How many times it speaks of the Spirit of God, Jesus being Lord, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit in verse 4, verse 5, the same Lord in in 
in, in later half of verse five is the same God, and, and then in verse six, I'm sorry, six, uh, the same God in verse seven, the manifestation of the Spirit, in verse eight, the Spirit, and, and again, it says the Spirit, in verse nine, the Spirit, in verse 10, or at the end of verse nine, it says the Spirit, and then he is pointing to, in verse 11, the one and the same Spirit. There's a point here. All the gifts of the Spirit are to point to the person of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he actually lists the Trinity in this passage. Have you ever noticed that before? Look down in your Bible. See if you can find where he talks about the Trinity here. Look in, look in verse 3. He says, no one's speaking of the Spirit of God. And then in verse 4, he says, the same Spirit and in verse 5, he says, the same Lord. Verse 6, he says, the same God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the same Lord Jesus Christ, and the same God the Father. So all the gifts of the Spirit are, are given by the Trinity for the purpose of building up the body, and they're to point to Him, they're to draw us to Him, to, so that we might grow in Him. Look in verse 7, it says the manifestation of the Spirit. Now what's a manifestation? A manifestation is making something seen, making something known, pointing to that person. So all the gifts of the Spirit are actually just manifestations. They're showing the work of the Spirit. It's, the gifts are not things. They are manifestations of the Spirit, of the person of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not a thing to be pursued. They're a person to be pursued. The manifestations of the personal work of God in your life. I, I, I remember seeing when I was um, a young adult, I, I, I saw a nativity play. And at the nativity play, there was um, one of the, the young people playing a sheep. And they were really funny. And they were acting up. And they were saying, like, bad, inappropriate times. And the audience was laughing. And, and it was kind of funny. And... It was sidetracked, though, and then the person who was leading the play, they weren't amused. The audience was cracking up, but it was distracting from the point of the play. See, it was an activity play. It wasn't a, a play about sheep. The, the gifts of the Spirit are not to draw attention to the person who's given the gifts. They're to draw attention to the giver of the gifts, to a person. And that person's not us. We're not to be like that sheep just drawing attention to ourselves for our own edification is to point to the person at the center of the story. And that's why Paul began there. And that's why he ends there too. Did you notice that? He, he begins the passage talking about the fact that the Spirit's the one who enables us to make the very confession that makes us a believer to begin with. And the Spirit's the one who gives it. And it's all about God. It all points to him the whole entire passage. The star of the show is, is God, God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. And then all these gifts are given by the Spirit. They point to a person. Spiritual gifts, they're, they're not things. They're the Spirit himself manifesting himself that we might know him even more, that we might grow in him, that we might be conformed into his image even more for our common good. Look in verse 11, it says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as, as we will. No, it doesn't say that. It says, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So it's not only about him, and it not only points to him, but it's from him as well. You see, he is sovereign over gifts. 
That should help us as we have received different gifts. We can trust him that he's given us just the gifts that we need. And we can ask for other gifts, but let's use the gifts that we have, knowing that he's the one who's given to us for a purpose because he intends for us to use them. He's sovereign over them. And the point's not to draw our attention to the gifts, but to draw our attention to the giver of the gifts so that more people might know who Jesus is and confess him as Lord. They may be able to see that. They're meant to not make us proud because he's sovereign over it. We didn't earn it. We didn't give it. We didn't achieve it. He apportions to them as he wills, not as we will. It's not even our will that gets the gifts. It's his apportioning, his will. It's all about him, all given by him, depending on him. It's all for us to point to him and encourage others in him to, for the common good. The Holy Spirit, he provides his church gifts and they purposefully point to his person. Here's the whole, here's the whole point of the passage, really. Now, he's going to go into an explanation of the spiritual gifts later. We're going to do that too as a church. But his point of this passage is to show that the Holy Spirit, he graciously works in a variety of ways. He graciously works in a variety of ways through a variety of people for the good of his church. So if that's the case, if, if the Holy Spirit graciously works in a whole variety of ways through a variety of people for the good of his church, then how are we seeking the gifts? How are we seeking to use our gifts for the good of his church, relying on him? That's the question for us. That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we seeking those things? Are we seeking to employ those gifts, relying on him, looking to him so that the church might benefit? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gifts. I pray that you would help us use the gifts you've given to us for the edification of the body, for the building up of the body, for the common good. God, I pray that you would help us look to you, the giver of the gifts, that we help us not compare our gifts to others, but you help us graciously, humbly receive them and help us use them so that others might be built up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to the band, come up just for a minute. Actually, you know what? Um, yeah, I'll have them come up in a minute. Uh, we have some flyers that are